Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. It's so nice to be here. Like, you actually have no idea. It is so nice to be here. Just by raised hands, how many of you are packing your gun? No, don't actually raise your hand. I don't know who you are or if you're here tonight, but I will never forget. Am I allowed to say this or will I get in trouble? Oh, yeah. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. That's true. That's, and you keep having me back, which is like you'd think he owes me. Um, okay. Just I appreciate the freedom that your governor has given you and uh, the things you can carry to church. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I really do. I, sorry if I, I'm, I'm going to get into it, and I actually have a ton to, to squish in, but it's just like, I'm just kind of soaking it in. Because you're still the land of the free and the home of the brave, and you have something that, um, I love Canada, I love Canadians, but you have something we don't have, and it's that liberty gene. And I love that about you, and I want to tell you and, and encourage you, and yeah, tell you about Canada in just a little minute here. And it's funny, the deeper you get into uh, the situation, in a way, it's almost the less you can say. But um, I want to actually just take a minute because the cousin relationship could be a little bit suspect, but you need to know that um, I really have a high degree of, and Lynette and I do, a high degree of admiration for Jason and Shannon. And I watch, and I see someone who protects doctrine, who loves his sheep, who will at times maybe even appear a little t- t- territorial to some, but it's like, that's what good pastors do. And so we really appreciate them. And as you know, we got a little bit thwarted in coming here. We could have like pushed through, but the situation was weird. I kind of wanted to follow Rod and Val and, and the youth takeover and, and Jonathan. And, uh, but I'm so happy that we got to be here. And um, obviously, uh, Lynette, my awesome wife, is right here. And she hates the front, but she will wave to you. And <laughs> if you approach her in small groups, she's actually super nice. So um, <laughs> don't all come at once. And uh, looking forward to seeing the rest of the family. All right. So you all know that in your family, there are times where you have to say, I got some good news and I've got some bad news. We do bad news first in our house. I don't know how you do it. So let's just pound through the bad news really quick because there is some. Uh, And I want to give you that, but we'll major on the good news uh, about the challenges we're facing. Oh, Canada. Wow. Um... You're aware that we're involved in a war in the heavenlies that has come down on the earth in an unprecedented way, right? You're aware. So one of the things that's happening in Canada is that many Christians and Christian leaders uh, have no idea that there's a satanic, demonic agenda, and they're now actually willingly submitting to it. Some people who will be watching from home, uh, they won't like that I just said that, And I'm at a point where I honestly don't much care. Because it's not the mark of the beast or an actual personal 
Antichrist. Uh, some people seem okay with what's happening. But the tide has rapidly shifted, and the reason many have yet to detect that something has changed is because they haven't swam upstream for even one minute. If you just swim downstream, if you just comply with everything that you're being told, and if you just like literally shut down your cognitive ability to think, it's like you may not notice. But I will tell you, it's like if you have practiced discernment for some years, and if you stay in the word of God, you're going to find out this is unprecedented times, and it's in a way very exciting. Yeah. But it's also... Uh, kind of can blow up your world from time to time, and it's good not to look to your phone a lot, because if it goes off every five minutes, it's like quite a balancing act we're doing. Deception has come, I'm reading because I just want, I want to say the right things and not the wrong things. Deception has come over our nation. Many churches, even certain judges, have already been seen to be pretty much lacking, and it's also taking residence with some of the highest authorities in the government that we have. So please... Pray for Canada, and pray because there is a brave, uh, not too large, but there is a brave minority that is pushing back. And many of them have it all on the line, and frankly, those are the people I most trust because I know that their faith is completely in God and not in any of the systems of the world. So we're in it, and um, you may see, um, or I'll say it this way, a lot of people, they just want the hardship to go away, and they're about to be disappointed. Um, still thinking, should I say it or not? Okay, so the answer to this is not going to be found in a political leader, and I'm sorry if you tried, but it's not going to come through a vaccine either. It's going to come through Jesus. That's how it's going to come. And if the pressure's on, and if we have bad news, and if it seems like he hasn't appeared yet, I think he's just waiting for his moment because he's not going to let it be a man. He's not going to let it be a leader. He's not going to let it be a medical th whatever. It's like it's going to be him, and everybody is going to know it's him. Yeah. And I think this is a setup, and I think it's for God. So are you ready for the good news? We're done with the bad. That was enough. I like that proportion. We'll do like five minutes bad and then the rest, good. So, all right. Want to encourage you, just like this series, the pushback and what you've been hearing, fantastic stuff. In fact, I had to do a little bit of extra work because what I, a lot of what I was thinking of saying, Jason said last week, and I was like, I think we're dovetailing. I think you'll be okay with what I say because um, he feeds me less if it's not good. Um, <laughs> No, he doesn't. Um, if you continue at this time to press into God's word, you are going to find out that the weight of the word is actually greater and the revelation is actually greater. The same Bible that you've been reading for years and decades, if you're a long-time Christian, you're going to find out you're going to read the same stuff. And because of the situation, because of the pressure, you're going to find out it has more weight and the revelation is pouring out of the word of God right now. So be in the word of God, understand, as Jason said last week, it's like elements can try to make that disappear or they can try to alter it. There's a couple Bibles, I'll give you one, I don't want any of you to have if you have it, I'll happily burn it for you tonight and that's called the Mirror Bible. Get rid of that thing, it is total heresy and there's other ones, 
you have to be careful of. I like the ones the best that are vetted by theologians, some of the long time standing traditions. You don't have to say thee and thou and stuff like that, but if a Bible comes through only a one individual's mind, I would put that as secondary and almost like a, uh, something that's neat to look at, but that you want to keep um, those vetted versions as your versions. That's what I'd say about that. The word of God right now is more current than your local news and your national news. And it's much more honest about the things to come. 25% of the Bible is actually prophecy. And you know that I love prophetic things, if you know me at all. But honestly, we don't really need a bunch of prophetic things launching out and, and taking all these like far out things. Because there's probably enough Bible prophecy from the prophets in the Bible for us to worry about right now, yeah. if I may. All right. First thing we're going to read, this is Ecclesiastes 3, and I think this is where we're at. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. If you think you have it, stay away from me. No, I'm just teasing. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. I'll keep reading in a second. At this moment, it's the time to speak, by the way. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that which he labors I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Every one of us, whether you know the Lord, don't know the Lord, whether, pick your category, we all have eternity in our hearts. We know that there is something more. It's been called the God piece. And if it's missing the connection with God, it will cry out because it somehow knows that we are made as eternal. Yeah. And so when we have our eyes on eternal things, we will always, always be able to come from a different place where we are not under all of these circumstances, but we come from more heavenly places and we are looking at things from God's perspective. And honestly, it's one of the most sane places that you can find yourself in these crazy days. God puts that attorney in our hearts. God has two main purposes now that he is trying to accomplish, that he will accomplish. And I want to let you know what they were. Before it was, obviously, there was the creation of the world. We can go through those. Obviously, a huge one when Jesus comes, sacrifices himself for all the sin of the world. That is still in play. We are still in the church age. And if I were to take a walk, uh, I didn't have time to do it. 
But I have uh, quite a fun thing where um, we can start at Adam and Eve and we go along. But if we even just take the church age, which is when Jesus is resurrected from the cross, now we've got 1,988 years that we've lived in this church age, and I think we're pretty close to the very edge of that thing being finished. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church. That's going to happen. This is, this is the event. And when the church age ends, it's a little bit different. In the grace age, that's when you really think, what would Jesus do? Bracelet is cool. After that, maybe not so much. Because the first time he came as a lamb to be sacrificed, even so much that the disciples said, you know, when they weren't received well in that one Samaritan town, and they said, should we call down fire from heaven on them? And he was like, guys, what are you doing? Because right that time, the mission was the lamb. But there is coming a time when Jesus ain't going to be the lamb anymore. He's going to turn into the lion. And for anybody who wants a reset, I don't think you should, because in seven years after you try it, he's going to give you a reset you won't believe. just trying to make the camera people crazy. (laughs) The next big thing which is on the prophetic calendar, I believe is one of two things, and I, I don't think we know the order of it, but I think that we have a good indication. And that is, there's gonna be an Ezekiel 38 war that's gonna come against Israel. And the other thing is, the rapture of the church. Now, Okay, let's just, let's, just, uh, let's just talk about Ezekiel 38 war because it could happen before the rapture and if it does, it's really gonna be something to watch. But just a very short time ago, we wouldn't have known that this would have been so lined up and that's why I say the word of God is so relevant. Ezekiel 38 predicts that the nations of Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and Sudan will attack Israel to take her out permanently This has been tried several times in Israel's history since they became a nation in 1948. And there's probably, it looks like it's going to be a massive air attack, except that God is going to stop it. The United States is not going to stop it. And guess what? Israel is also not going to stop it. It will be God that stops it. And his weapons are going to be overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. And when that happens, um, there are is going to be a whole planet that's going to know there's a God in heaven. I don't know which side of it I'd like to be on, but I, I, part of me would like to be here, part of me would not like to be here. Um, but for that to happen, I mean, let's not get too crazy. I mean, you'd need a weakened United States, first of all, and they'd need a massive Air Force. Like, I mean, I would estimate they'd need upwards of $75 billion worth of equipment, and so what are the chances? Read Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39. It's a mind blower. It starts with this uninhabitable place, and God says, I am calling the trees and the fruit to grow and whatever. And then it's like they come, and they actually come and become a nation, and it's got all these things, and then it's like they're going to be attacked again, like they were in 67, like they were in 73, and it's just like you're not going to touch the nation of Israel. If you want to know Bible prophecy, use Israel as the hinge to really everything because it's one of God's main things he has to do. 
One of them is to retrieve his bride, the true bride of Christ. Not everyone who calls themselves Christian, like the fandom thing. But those who truly are the sons and daughters of God. And the other one is, he is going to restore Israel to its right place and Israel will be saved. If you believe in replacement theology where now the church has become Israel, I'd uh, ask you to look at that again. I don't think God changes his original idea. I think he goes back to his original idea and he wants to save Israel and he will save Israel. Okay, so the rapture. In case you don't know what we're talking about, this is what we're talking about. Jesus has a two-phase return that he is planning. Obviously, he was in heaven. He came to earth and was born uh, to the Virgin Mary, and we know that whole story, and we know that he lived, had about a three-year ministry, and then um, died on the cross, was killed, but was raised again by his own power, and then that basically made him the sacrifice for us all. You can still achieve that today until we cross the line and we're no longer in the church age, then it, it, it's going to be a different kind of setup, and it's going to be much more difficult. After that, Jesus ascends to heaven. Let's read a couple verses on that. Acts one, uh, chapter 1, 9 to 11. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. So he came down, was born. Now he's being taken up into a cloud and he was received out of their sight. And they, meaning the disciples, they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These would be angels who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go to heaven. They saw him leave in the clouds. His next appearing on the earth will not be to land and touch down on the ground. It will be to appear in the clouds. And something very amazing is going to happen at that time. But let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. I'll go pretty fast because I have a ton to give and I don't want to run over time. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I used to think that was the Baptists, but it turns out it's just people who've died before. <laughs> Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him. The word is harpazo. It's, 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 to, be, it's to be raptured. It's to be, it's to be caught up. And it says we'll be caught up together with him and meet him in uh, the clouds in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another, another with these words. It says that once we are raptured, we are going to actually have a bride of Christ that looks and should look like the bride of Christ. Right now, if we take everyone who says, oh yeah, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I was born in you know, the United States, so I'm a Christian. <laughs> the nice thing is, we don't have to judge anything here. God will do the judging. And it's like, he will know who is his. He will know who is marked for him. And it's like, and... This is not that you're perfect. Do you understand? Your, your salvation doesn't come from your perfection. It comes from his perfection. But you don't get to treat Jesus like he's some cheap suit. 
You gotta know him, you gotta seek him when you find that you're lacking, which is really a lifetime process. There has to be an effort to obey him and to live for him because the trade-off isn't you get salvation for free. The trade-off is you give him, you give him your life because he already gave his life for you. And that means when governments get a little crazy and they say, you need to do this and you need to line up and we would like to stand in the place as God for you, we have to say, uh, 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 sorry, we're not going to go with that because we actually have a God and we're not replacing him with you. Yeah. John 14, 1 to 3. In these times, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that's the taking up in the clouds, and where I am, there you will be also. After the rapture happens, it's going to be so exciting because we will always be with him. We no longer will have any kind of a feeling of separation or something. It's like, if he's going somewhere, we're like, we're going with you. We get to stay with you. Kind of almost reminds you of like Moses when, he, when God said, oh, you just go. These people are stinking. I picked the wrong guys or whatever God said. And then Moses said, no, we're not going without you. And it's like, we will always get to be with him. So the first coming was Jesus coming out of heaven. He comes down. He fulfills the work on the cross. He ascends up. Then he appears in the clouds. He takes us up with him. And then there's going to be another event. And he is going to come down. And this time he is going to set foot down on the earth. And this is when a whole bunch of things will happen. And we will get informed about who is actually the Lord of this world. And it will be an awesome time. It will be a frightful time depending on where you sit with the Lord himself. About rapturing, just this is totally like side lesson, but I just find it so interesting because, again, just the depth of the word. In um, Hebrews 9.27, there's a verse, and it says that every man is appointed once to die. And so when it says every or it says all, I like taking the Bible literally. People who say, oh, the Bible's so open to interpretation and that kind of thing, I'm sort of like, no, you know what? If you just read the Bible, actually take it literally for what it says in that Bible interpret Bible, it's actually more simple than, you're just frothing it up and making it like, so it's, it sounds like it's too difficult to understand. It's not. And there's three people who have already been raptured, and one is Enoch, Genesis 5, 24. One is Elijah, 2 Kings 2, 12. And then one is Jesus. Well, Jesus, did he die once? Oh, he did. So he's already fulfilled that obligation. But did Elijah die? No. Did Enoch die? No. If you read in Revelation, there are going to be two witnesses that are sent from heaven. And they're going to basically be preaching to the nation of Israel. This is after the rapture happens, but it's going to be when God is trying to win the Jewish nation back to himself. And they are going to be preaching and they're going to try to kill them and they can't kill them and, they try to, and they're preaching and, and telling them about God and then they will try to kill them and they can't kill them. Finally, they kill them. But then three days later, 
God's going to do his three-day trick that he does. And, there, and it says the whole world will see them. I guess that's TV. And all of a sudden, they're going to pop up and go, really? There, now we've died once too. Let's talk about it. <gasps> Come on. Like, as bad as this stuff is, if this is just, if we're just getting to the end, and I'm going to be very honest with you. When I was a kid, I believed in the rapture, and I believed it could happen at any time. I lost that. I mean, preachers used to use it on us all the time, and I mean, you know, we were in a, you know, church that had certain type of values, and I mean, you always heard about backsliding, and you know, people can come in and out of salvation, and so, you know, we try to get saved better almost every summer, like every camp or whatever, and it's usually a preacher saying, I know there's someone at the back, I know you're rebellious, and you might go to hell tonight if you don't get up here, so of course, we were running for the front, you know, we were like we were sliding into second base, and we don't even do baseball in Canada. Um, so, the thing is, is like, I believed in that at that time, and all of a sudden, when I started looking at some things in the scripture and some things that really bothered me, because we don't know the time, the exact time of the rapture, but we can smell birth pains like Matthew 24. We, can, we, can, we know seasons. We, we're, God actually says you're not going to actually be that surprised, but other people will be surprised. And when I realized this could be really close, the one scripture that really has kind of bothered me at times, and some people say you don't interpret this way, but still fun to think about. And it's like, it says that talking about Israel being the olive tree and Israel becomes a nation in one day after it hadn't been a nation for like 1975 years or something. No, that doesn't happen. You disappear, then you become something else. The same nation pops up 1900 and some years later. And it says when the olive tree um, again is, is seen to have fruit, it says, this generation shall not pass before the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord, not meaning the rapture. The coming of the Lord meaning when he puts his feet down on the planet. And then you go, well, what's a generation? That generation doesn't pass. And Psalms says that a generation, if you want to interpret Bible by Bible, it says it's 70 years, but it can be 10 more years. It can be 80 years. And so I'm kind of just doing the math on that. Now, I'm not trying to pick the day. I'm just trying to pick the season. And I'm thinking, Israel becomes a nation. Thank you, President Truman. May 14th, 1948, plus 80 years. Well, that's 2028. We still have some time. Oh, but we need a seven-year tribulation in there. That's now. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's now. And yet, at the same time, God can come whenever he stinking feels like it. Yeah. That's sort of his prerogative, right? So, why does there need to be a rapture? A few reasons. One is God's love for his people. He, there's a difference between a tribulation or between um, any kind of suffering or persecution and the great tribulation. Do you understand that? I'll tell you why they're different. Obviously, the people in Afghanistan re recently who are Christians, they uh, encountered about as bad as a tribulation as you can have. Apparently, there's people singing on their way to their death. And I'm sort of blown away that that can happen. But when you look at God's way and you look at how he sees things, he knows that this life is still just like a puff of steam. It's, it's actually quick 
We're very, we have a very temporal time to have our allegiance to God and to understand him and to love him. And then eternity is forever. It lasts a long, long time. Why do we need to have a rapture? Because God is going to know exactly, and I guess I'm repeating myself at this point, but he's going to know who is part of that bride. It's not fair to Jesus that he anticipates a bride and it's like her hair is all messy and it's like, you know, she's got teeth missing and her dress is all disheveled, you know? And she's like, you know, come Lord Jesus, come. (laughs) And Jesus is like hiding behind the father saying, dad, please don't let me go down there. Like, (laughs) like, she needs a makeover or something, like, you know. It's, it can't be like that. If, 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 if that's what you're doing and you're walking the aisle, please speak to your pastor before you do it. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, oh, dad, P- pitter-patter, let me at her. Like, I just, <laughs> I, she is so beautiful. I can't stand to be apart from her one more day. It's just like, and the thing is, this is how that happens. This is how that happens. When the rapture happens, that is the bride of Christ, and it's like, there's going to be a wedding. While the wedding's happening, there's going to be, and there's going to be this amazing effect, because during these times when we're having these struggles and stuff, you're going to find out that not all as Christians, but many, many Christians are going to end up on, suddenly, we're going to end up on the wrong side of these things. The people who have lived their lives as good citizens, who have slight guilt if we even speed or get a ticket, Um, we are not breaking the law, we are not doing those things, and the way that they're posturing this, it's like we're going to end up on the wrong side of things just because we stayed true to what we believed in the first place. And there will be this struggle, and at some point they're going to realize the problem is the Christians. Do you understand that the Antichrist, so many people are like all involved with the Antichrist, and they're like, you know, I think it's... Well, I shouldn't even say any names, but, you know, I think it's the Pope or, you know, I think it's the whatever. And people are like all worrying about the Antichrist. Don't worry about it. The Bible says if you're a Christian, you don't even get to identify who it is. You'll never see it. It says that there's a restrainer. And when we stand up against things and say, no, we're not doing it your way. We're doing it God's way. We're going to stick with our biblical worldview. It's like we stand in the way of that. The restrainer is not us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. But the restrainer does not allow him to come onto the scene and rule anything until we are out of here and by proxy, the Holy Spirit's out of here because he lives in us. So the elastic band is going to get pulled and they're going to be like, we want this. And we're like, biblical worldview, no. We're God. No, you're not. Our God is God. And all of a sudden, if he pulls us out of there, we let go. They're going to have everything they want and more, but it's going to be nothing that they want. What it's going to be is the Antichrist will be able to come on the scene, and he will be terrible, and he will make a seven-year pact with Israel, and now you're not just facing a little bit of torment or a little, uh, sorry, torment's a bad word, a little bit of tribulation or a little bit of whatever like we're experiencing now. Now... God's people are out of the way. His bride is out of the way. He's moved his beloved bride out of the way. She's with him, and God will say, and now the wrath of God. That's what will be here. And it's interesting because 
Some people want to argue about, you know, is it, are you a mid-trib? Are you a post-trib? Like, are you a, a pre-whatever? And I'm just like, it's, I'm going to go there in a minute because two of you are wrong. And... Um, <laughs> I'm just going to skip that because I've got to keep moving. Okay, when is this rapture going to happen? No one knows the hour. No one knows the day. Not even the angels, but only the Father in heaven. So let's go to the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib thing. So if we take seven years, since the beginning was over here before, we'll make it over here. Oh, sorry, camera guy. And um, pre-trib, it means that we leave Antichrist cannot come on the scene. Biblically, it says that that's not allowed. And I'm going to show you a bunch of verses why this is the correct position scripturally. If you're a mid-tribber, you're a little bit confused because um, I see some of the arguments, but there's a problem with this. Antichrist makes a pact with Israel that lasts for seven years. If he signs something and everyone goes, oh, there's a pact with Israel, you can count the days and in three and a half years, you'll know when the rapture was supposed to be. That can't happen. And honestly... I don't even want to talk about this one because this one makes no sense. This is not God having a wedding feast with his bride and a marriage. This is a bungee jump. This is, he's going to take you up and then bring you back down when he returns and to, to land on, on the earth with his own feet. So you have, to stretch, stretch, you have to stretch the scriptures pretty far to be over here. This one, I get why you're confused. Um, and this is where it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm not saying the day, I'm just saying, you know, the season, the timing around it, and I can show it to you scripturally, and um, I'm not usually really dogmatic about some things that are like theology, like just theology, but in this case, I'm right. <laughs> I've looked for, yeah, at it from all sides, and if you only had the scriptures, maybe, maybe you could make an argument, but the thing is, if you also know the heart of God, you will find out it's there. I have looked at it from all signs. I used to lean towards pre-trib, to be honest. Then I really studied it, and now I'm convinced. Um, notice, I didn't say that it doesn't mean we won't have some troubles, some tribulations, but the great tribulation is different because in that, they're facing the wrath of God. One of the ways we find out about this stuff is that there's mentions of the church, and if you go into Revelations, you can read up to, I think it's 4 verse 11, and the church is there, and all of a sudden, she's gone. She's not mentioned. It's just mentioned all these different judgments that are coming, bowl judgments and trumpet judgments, and I don't know, there's all these judgments. They're, they're all bad. There's things that can sting you. There's things that can burn you. There's things that, fish will die, people will die, um, waters will go bad, like horrible stuff. I don't want to be there for any of it. Those of you who'd like to ride that out for three and a half years, enjoy, I'm out of here. And then you get further over to the other side of it. Some people think, oh, you know what? Antichrist is going to be a cakewalk from here all the way to mid-trib. And that's why they think that's an okay scenario. And then he's going to turn bad. And he's going to say, okay. And he's going to be really mean to Israel. He's going to, then he's going to be head Christians, all that yucky stuff that's in Revelation. Church shows up back over here in Revelation 19. And guess where they show up? It's when he's coming back to lay his feet on the ground, because we are with him. While they're having a seven-year tribulation, we're having a seven-year wedding feast. Yeah. And we are not invited to the wedding. We're the bride. Amen. Pretty good, hey? I know that there's a place where people can get freaked out when we talk about this stuff, but this is not to 
this is not to scare you. It's to prepare you. It's not to scare. If you feel scared, you know what? You just need to get your heart right with God because really he wants you to be part of that bride. And honestly, if you're really struggling with giving your life to Jesus or if you're holding out, I would just say to you, is it really that good what you're doing now? Is life that awesome? Because I don't even know how people live without Jesus. I don't even know how they live without him. You know, I, I did some things not because I did everything right, but just because I let the Bible inform my way of life. And it's like, I've had a wife. I mean, I've been married for 31 years and I don't have any prospects and life is simple. And it's like, and she looks like she's 31. I mean, it's fantastic. I have some good friends. It's just like, I don't worry about the things that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not cutting corners. It's like, I don't feel shame about my life. It's like, it's a great way to live. So, the great tribulation, it's going to be terrible from end to end. And we already know that because we don't have a physical antichrist on the ground, but we have the spirit of antichrist here now. And I'm sorry to tell you, I really felt it in Canada. I wanted to come to the States and not feel that, and I still feel it here. Antichrist has probably, and the spirit of antichrist has been alive and well, even since the days of Jesus. But now, everything is freaking out all over the planet, and I don't think it's because Satan made a big push to get to the goal line. I think it's because God was about to do something, and Satan knew if he didn't move now, his time is running short, and he's almost out of gas, and he's going down, and we're going to win. Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept my commandments to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the earth. These are scriptures that tell us that God will make a way for us to escape his wrath. It is not normal for, it would not be correct for God to say, oh, you know what? Let's just let the bride have three and a half really crappy years with the worst person who's actually the antithesis of me, and then I'll pick her up later on. That's the heart of God stuff. It's like, no, he is gonna make a way for us to escape the same way he did for Noah's family. The same way he did with Lot's family. I mean, the angels were literally going, okay, like the fire, the brimstone is heated. Like you need to leave now because we are destroying the place. God always makes a way for the righteous to escape. That's his pattern. Why would he change? He's not going to. Um, Did I read Thessalonians already? No, I didn't. For they themselves, this is 110, for they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. If you are not serving the living and true God, tonight's your night. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers you from the wrath to come. When you're a Christian, there is no wrath. Your sin is forgiven. God, doesn't, God does not have a, uh, a thing where you will stand there before God and he will say, well, here's the punishments I'm giving you and here's the rewards. No. If you are a Christian and you have given your life to God, there is only one thing you get. That is reward. 
the punishment was already taken by Jesus and he took it personally and he took it uh, perfectly for you and it's like you don't have to face the wrath of God or punishment. It's like you only would get a reward. Some rewards are bigger. Some are smaller. If you are getting rewarded, I know one of the pastors in Canada, him and his wife, I'm so full of admiration for him. You will probably see him on Hannity pretty soon. Alberta pastors, we're just going to get, whatever, we'll see what happens. But I just said to him, you know what? Your crown is going to be so stinking heavy. You will have a hard time even throwing it down at the master's feet because you are building such a reward for yourself. And he would be preaching inside of his church while the authorities are trying to get through the door. And guess who's barring the door? His little blonde wife and saying, you can't come in here. This is a religious service and don't you dare. And they're giving her citation after citation after citation and they're going to court and there's potential that she could even go to jail because she's out there kitty bar the door while he's preaching the word. Oops, did I say that with my outside voice? Luke 21, 35, 36. I'm trying, Jason. I'm going as fast as I can. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And this is one of my personal favorite ones. And then we'll move into the middle of the message. Um, (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when I say, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Woman, does say woman, not person, it's just double checking. <laughs> and they sh- I just noticed it. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, you are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of day. That includes the daughters of light and the daughters of day. And we are not of the night or of the darkness. And then you go to verse 9, and I love it. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going up right over here. Don't you have a worry. If you know Jesus, it's like you're in good shape and we don't have to worry. We're going to be okay either way. If you get into this thing where all of a sudden it's like your ability to go to school, your ability to go to a job, your ability to make a living, I would encourage you whether or not we could, if we could just lay the medical stuff aside, because I think everyone needs to have that choice, and please research your choice, and then live with your consequences, but the thing is, I really believe that when it comes to things where coercion is being used, and if it were anything else, even just so we could lie aside the vaccination stuff, when coercion is used, you got to be careful, because there might be a time there where God is actually asking you to stand up. I know personally people who took the vaccination for the cause of the gospel, and I agree with their decision. So I'm not, I'm, I, am, I am, you know, there's like all this stress about vaccinated and unvaccinated, and I mean, I, I really, everyone has to make their decision. I mean, I'm trying my best to have an attitude where I am bi-vaccinated, and um, meaning I, I'm, I love people who are, and I love people who aren't. And so... <laughs> That was totally politically incorrect. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry about that. 
Don't share this with any Canadians, okay? If you guys are <laughs> listening. Okay. I love that verse. We are not appointed to wrath. And we've kind of gone over the order of things. I think I can skip that. So to make it real simple again, the, ra- the rapture is Jesus coming back for the church. The second coming is when Jesus comes back with the church. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And on that day, Zechariah 14.4 says, he will stand, his feet will actually touch the Mount of Olives. Crazy stuff is going to happen. The Mount of Olives is going to actually split in two. I mean, there's going to be powerful things happening because the king of kings finally landed on the earth and it wasn't one of these fake kings who's making out like they ruled the world. And he comes with all the saints. That's in Thessalonians. All right. I really wanted to end with this because when I heard it, and I got to tell you, it's not mine. But I just was like, this is what I'm talking about. People are finding stuff in the word that we've never seen before. The story about the water being turned into wine when Jesus did his first miracle, that's where I'm going to end. And this will take a little while to develop. So Seth, you've got a few minutes here. But you all know the story. Jesus goes and he's invited to a wedding. His mother, Mary, is there. And he goes and you got to know those Jewish weddings are crazy events, right? Like they go like seven days. And... When they get there, Mary points out that she says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, it's not my time. This is, mom, no, this isn't it. And what does she do? She doesn't address him. She addresses the people who are with him and says, whatever he says to do, do it. And she must have done one of those Jewish mother things like, (laughs) and (laughs) and then just leaves the situation. They've got six massive pots. Together, it's about 180 gallons. And finally, Jesus goes, okay, obey your parents, I remember. (laughs) And he says, fill it with water. And then they go to present it. And when it's presented to the person, I guess, who would be the keeper of wine or whatever it is, he says, This is unusual. Usually they give the good stuff first. People get a little happy and then they can slide in the weakened stuff. He says, this is very unusual. I used to think that was just kind of a neat story. It's much more than a neat story. It's much more than a neat story. You see, Jesus' first miracle, it surrounded a wedding and it's actually a foreshadowing of a wedding that's coming. It's a type and a shadow of a wedding that's coming. And there's something so powerful in this because we know that the word says the latter days will be greater than the former days. We know that God is going to show up in the middle of this circumstance and he is going to do something. And I think it can probably go one of two ways, but knowing God, he can do it a third or a fourth or a fifth way, but I've only thought of two. But here's the thing. I'm going to have a hard time because when you get the revelation of stuff that you didn't understand before, it's so powerful to you, to your heart. The reason that Mary knew that she could say, they don't have any wine, you should do something about that, is because she knew who he was. She knew what he could do. She knew what was possible through him, and so she pulls on him. And he probably, he, initially he goes, oh, it's not my time, Mom, what are you doing? This is going to launch him into ministry. In fact, it wasn't until he does this miracle, it says, then the disciples that were already walking with him, then they believed him. Yeah. She pulls on him. And now we're facing something where 
as the church, let's be honest about it. We've run out of wine. We're trying. We love Jesus. But we're not seeing the easy conversions. We're not seeing the power of God. We, sometimes we feel we have to argue to someone to try to get them in the kingdom. And it's just the same. I have the same record some days as my Facebook page. I've never changed anyone's mind and they've never changed mine. Yeah. Useless. And I think what we need to realize is that of all of the things that Jesus could have done, he could have raised some, someone from the dead. He could have done this. He does this thing at a wedding because he's going to do it right before his next wedding. The one that's actually his. Life can throw you a lot of circumstances at the best of times. And now in a way, the wine's gone and the party's over. And we're all under pressure. Life was hard enough before, right? Right? And now we're all under pressure. If you're not yet, I'm not prophesying it for you, but it's like where I live, we're all under pressure. And it's probably the same spirit that's wanting America too. See, Jesus doesn't need to win a free and fair election. Jesus doesn't need a majority to do what he wants to do. He just needs somebody who knows who he is and someone who will call out and say, God, we're going to pull on you because now we need something. And I have a feeling that you don't have to be his mom. You can be his child. You can be his son. You can be his daughter. And it's time for us, at least in the things of the spirit, to stand up and pull on our God and say, God, we are not going to be able to do this. This is over our pay grade. But if you will come, if you will help us, if you will stop this, we know that you made a covenant with America. By America, you bless the nations of the world. It's like, and I have a feeling that as much as we will win if Jesus just comes and raptures us out of this horrible situation, I have a feeling he'd like to give us a win settle down some things, see some evil routed out and some evil demons sent to hell for the rest of their time and all of a sudden we have a win and all of a sudden he says, good job my children, that's how I wanted to do it and now let's go home, I'll meet you in the clouds, let's get out of here. Seth, you can come. So, if we gotta go through the mud, guys, we're gonna win. And if we got to go through the mud, maybe we'll get to actually see the results of the pushback. And the next time I show up, that's probably happened if I get to come through because it's looking like the next time we step across the border, the cage door will be open to let us in and then it'll close. It's tough because I love my family. I love, we love the United States. We got the liberty gene. We don't. We don't get to live here, but we, we, we know who you are. We know your place in the world, and we've grown to love it. And that's not just pussyfooting around. It's real for us. So whether we go through something difficult, and maybe we try and lose and try and lose and try and lose, that's possible, I guess. But because I know the nature of God, I kind of think he's going to push things back, and we're going to win something. But I still think we're close to the end of the church age. I think that... 
in our own lives, we need to be ready for his return and we need to be anticipating his return because at some point it will have to happen and we are definitely way closer than the first years of my life when I believed the rapture could happen at any time. It can happen at any time, trust me. So first and foremost, if there's somebody here and you're like, okay, and for, I know, like, I might have, if, if you don't know Jesus, I might have just scared the stink out of you and I realize that. And I don't want you to, but uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say I don't want you to make a decision if you're scared. You need to make this decision if I have to sit on you, scare you, beat you, like whatever will help. Because there's also a thing called the time of the Gentiles. And when the last of the Gentiles comes in, it's like it also prepares Jesus to come and return. And if you're holding that process up, you need to get in and, and be part of this. The Gentiles will lose their opportunity at some time. Bow your heads, just out of respect for one another. I'm gonna keep my eyes open. If there's somebody here who just says, yeah, I got across the line, I've been dilly-dallying or I'm not sure or whatever, and tonight God's saying, okay, time for you to come. Is there anybody here who just wants to receive Jesus tonight? I promise I won't embarrass you. I just want you in the kingdom. Anybody here? I believe that when God pours out that new wine, I believe you're gonna see people flocking in here who've never even thought about church or God or anything. I believe that that time's going to happen. So he can do that. God can do that in his time. And then I just got one other place I want to go real quick because I will be honest, even in my own home, we've had moments where we've had intense fear come against us because it just feels so out of control and you cry out and you say, God, where are you in the situation? And will you fight for us? And where are you? And for this one, I know there's going to be numbers of us. I just want to get the fear of the enemy off of you because it doesn't belong in the heart of a Christian. Where he is, he casts out all fear because his love is perfect. If that's you, can you just stand up if you're facing fear and you're just having some real trouble? It's going to, the way you'll, it'll manifest is there will be sleepless nights. For some of you men, you need, to, you need to be honest with yourself. You don't know how to protect your family in, in some of these circumstances. Just stand up. You don't know how to go here. There's several people. If there's someone close to you, can you just reach out, put your hands on them, just find them, like move if you have to, don't, let's not be stiff churchy here, like just make sure everybody's got somebody with them, and we're just going to release that fear off of you tonight. So you ready? By the way, this isn't hard for Jesus to do, this is easy. Everybody who's got fear, I want your eyes up now, you don't have to be curled up or anything. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are not shaking in your boots over any of our circumstances, that you promise that you will meet our needs, even in the face, Lord, of medical things against us, even in the face of jobs or loss or relationships that have been divided by this horrible demonic time or anything that we're facing right now, I pray you would remove the fear, Lord, and that you would replace it by your Holy Spirit and by hope in God, and that right now, Lord, that fear would just lift Lift it off, lift it off, lift it off, God, in Jesus' name. And we, may we all come into the fullness of your peace and your, the knowledge of God and the purposes of God. And I pray that sleep would come, that needs would be met, that finances would come, that opportunity would come. But help us to stand where we need to stand so that we can honor you, Lord, and that we can get more in our crown of reward so that we can cast it one day at your feet. So we pray for these people, we release that, 
and ask that that would be a permanent thing, that the enemy would be thwarted from ever trying to return on that, and that our confidence in you would go sky high through the roof and it would not return to anything except having confidence in Jesus. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Is that okay? I believe God will do it when we pray. Love you guys. Thanks so much, River Life. And I'll turn it over to Sam. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.